You have been weighed in the balances of God, and you have been found wanting. A few days ago, um, I was listening to a Bible teacher, and this guy was saying all the right things. Uh, He dotted all his I's, he crossed all his T's, he hit all the right notes. He was theologically sound. But something just didn't sit right with me as I listened to this guy talk. And I thought to myself, is he sincere? Does he really believe what he's saying? Or is this kind of like a show, kind of a performance in front of a bunch of people like you? Does he even know that he's got like a dark side? Is this guy for real? And as soon as I had that thought the Holy Spirit zapped me. Because he goes, hey, you get up and talk in front of people. And you try to say all the right things. You try to be theologically correct. You try to hit all the right notes, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Do you realize that you're not always sincere and that sometimes it's a performance for you? I hate it when the Holy Spirit does that. Because you see, inside of all of us is this uh, image of God. And if you know Christ, uh, you've been redeemed and you have new life in Christ. There is more dignity in you than you can possibly imagine. But also inside of all of us is that dark side. It's that depravity. It's that, that ugly stuff. And both are true, and we dare not forget it. Yeah, I've been creating the image of God. (laughs) And that means there's gold and silver and precious stones and all kinds of beautiful things in my life. Um, I have some things that, 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 that make me somebody. But also in my life (laughs) is wood and hay and stubble, to use the language of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And i got to recognize that too, that both things are true about me. Now here's the deal. When you're weighed, is there like more of this and less of this? When you're weighed, are you found wanting. Now, we're in a series right now called Courageous Faith. And we've been rightly looking at people like Daniel, who's the hero of this book, book's named after him, you know, his three buddies that were in the fiery furnace. And a lot of times we like to look at those guys and say, you know, we should say, I want to be like them. But sometimes we have this idea that we kind of are like them. And what I want us to do today is something a little different. I want us instead to look at the anti-hero of this passage, and that's Belshazzar. This king who was weighed and found wanting and lost his kingdom. And I want us to ask ourselves, how am I like that guy? How am I like him? Because see, there's, there's a sense in which we all have things that we're leading. Now, 
I don't think anybody in this room's leading a major kingdom of the world. I mean, he was the most powerful man in the world at the time, ruling Babylon. But we do lead things. Some of you are a leader at work. You've got a team of people that you lead. People report to you. Some of you are leading in your marriage, in your home. Some of you are leading maybe a, a, an athletic team, a sports team. Uh, you're captain of your team. You're a section leader of your choir, your band. I mean, some of us are leading ministries. I mean, everybody here has probably got some kind of leadership responsibility. And, and I don't want to see happen to you what happened to Belshazzar, who was weighed and found wanting, and his leadership influence was ripped away. Historians tell us that this major city, which was surrounded by this mega wall, it was like impenetrable, a party's going on inside. They're not worried about an enemy army outside, but... The Medes diverted the Euphrates River around the city and they came in under the wall and conquered the city almost without bloodshed. He lost his kingdom just like that. And I don't want to see that happen to me and I don't want to see that happen to you. And so the issue is, can we be weighed and found weighty? Not weighed and found wanting. You know, I was um, reading a book recently by a lady named Edna Hong. Uh, she, she died a few years ago in her 90s. She taught at St. Olaf College in Minnesota. And she wrote a book called The Downward Ascent. And here's what she said. Myself does not live in a sweet, sunny, one-story rambler, but in an old ancestral Gothic house of many floors and rooms and hallways, of dark passageways and spiral staircases, of damp and gloomy cellars and cellarages. The maze of subterranean corridors go down, 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 and eventually converge in one dizzily winding and descending path that dead ends at the room of riddle, the fall, original sin, original guilt. I mean, this is a woman who can write brilliantly, but she's got the guts to look at the dark side. If you really want to know about me, I'm in the dungeon! I'm not in the penthouse. I'm in the cellar. Because this is me. Wood, hay, and stubble. So, so we got to have the guts. Maybe courageous faith is being willing to look at how we're like Belshazzar. So I got five questions I want to ask you today. From Daniel chapter 5. Uh, the, the first one, uh, you could categorize it under the word sensual. Sensual. Where am I pursuing pleasure apart from God? Now, the problem's not pleasure. God made pleasure. God made fun. God made things for us to enjoy, made life for us to enjoy. But the problem is when we enjoy things and we don't connect the dots to God. And so what you see in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 5 is a big party going on. And a lot of people would say, a lot of historians, a lot of Bible scholars would say, it was probably like a big orgy. And so they were having as much fun as they could have. And they were not connecting the dots to God. And I wonder how many of us in this room were pursuing all kinds of pleasures 
with entertainment, with sex, with food, with alcohol, with people, and we're not connecting the dots to God. And God says, if that's the way you're living your life, it's wood, hay, and straw. Sensual. It's the second word, second question. And it's the word uh, corrupt. How have I disrespected what is holy? Because you see in Daniel chapter 5 that at the party, somebody got the idea, hey, let's go to the treasury and let's get the, the, the temple instruments from Jerusalem. Like when they captured Jerusalem and brought all those people to Babylon, including Daniel and his friends, they also brought items from the house of God to Babylon. They'd been stored somewhere. And Belshazzar or somebody got the idea, hey, let's go, let's get those utensils and let's drink from those. Let's have a party with those. And they disrespected what was holy. How have you disrespected what is holy? Let me give you an idea. It says in 2 Timothy that these vessels, these bodies of ours are like vessels in the household of God. And, and sometimes we can use these vessels for honorable reasons, and sometimes we can use them for dishonorable reasons. And, and I just want to say that some of the places we go, some of the things we see, some of the things we say, utilize this vessel in an unholy way. And we're not bothered by it. And we think God is a gracious God. and It's not that bad. It's not as bad as her. It's not as bad as him. But I just want to say in the eyes of God, it's light, weight, living. Wood, hay, and stubble. Am I weighed and found wanting? Third word is the word adulteress. Adulteress. What have I made my idol? Now, Belshazzar may have committed the physical act of adultery. We don't know, but I'm not talking about that here. I'm talking about spiritual adultery. Because we're supposed to make God God, not anything else. And the Bible here says that he had idols of wood and stone and all of that. Now, in our culture today, I doubt that anybody's got an idol in your house and you're bowing down and you're worshiping that idol. But guess what? We have our 21st ver. 21st century version of idols right here in Northeast Ohio. Tim Keller wrote a book called The Counterfeit Gods. And in that book, he defines idolatry this way. Anything you love more than God, anything you trust more than God, anything you serve more than God is your idol. So I want to brainstorm a little bit here today. You guys talk to me. What are some... 21st century idols, what are some Northeast Ohio idols that, that you see? Maybe in your life, maybe in someone else's. Call some out to me. What do you think? Sports. First service, somebody said the Browns. I'm going, I don't know if that qualifies. <laughs> I like sports in general better. Yes, sir. That's good. Money. We got money. Sports and money. So <laughs> 
<laughs> cell phones. That's not mine because I got an iPhone that's ready to die. So, uh, but yeah, okay, cell phones. What else? Uh, media? I hear media. Facebook. Yikes. The house can be an idol. An automobile can be an idol. Your job, politics, higher education. Somebody said family. Somebody said children. I mean, that's a tricky one, right? You're supposed to love your family. You're supposed to love your kids. But if you love your kids more than God, and if you serve your kids more than God, and if you trust the joy that your kids can bring more than the joy that God can bring, your kids are an idol. So all of that is light, weight, living. And if you're not careful to be weighed in the balances of God and found wanting and your leadership influence can be ripped away. Fourth question, fourth word. This is the word lax. Now, I'm not talking about Los Angeles Airport. <laughs> Why do I forget lessons from the past? He was a lax learner. He didn't learn well. Because uh, when Daniel was brought before Belshazzar, Daniel says, let me tell you a story about probably not his father, but his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. Let me tell you a little story of what happened to him. His heart got filled with pride. And God said, oh, you're the man? Guess what? You're going to lose your mind for a little while. The Bible says in uh, chapter 4, seven seasons of time, and he's literally out covered with dew, his hair's all matted, and he's eating grass like a cow. He lost it. And then God gave him his mind back, gave him his kingdom back, and one of the greatest praises at the end of chapter 4 to God ever been written is right there from the words of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's grandfather. And Daniel says to him, you knew all about this, but you didn't act on it. And I just wonder about the lessons that some of us have had from friends in the past, or from a mom, or a dad, or a brother, or a sister, or a grandfather, or an aunt, or an uncle. I mean, you've seen people who have drifted from God and paid the price, and maybe God graciously brought them back, but you didn't learn from that. And you're doing the very same thing they did. You're making the very same mistakes they made. And your life is lightweight because of it. Lacks. And the last word is ego. And the question is, when have I lifted myself up and failed to honor God? When have I lifted myself up and failed to honor God? You know, we've got a sign over the entrance to the church. <laughs> and it's really the cornerstone of the building. Now, a cornerstone is supposed to go in like the corner of the building. So it should be over there somewhere down low. But when we built the building, I said, you know what? I don't want the cornerstone to go in the corner where some bush can grow up in front of it and never see it. Let's just put it over the middle of the church door. And you know what it says? To God alone be the glory. 
He says in his word, I will not share my glory with another. He says, it says in Psalms, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name bring glory because of your loving kindness and your truth. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Romans chapter 11. Has there been a time in your life when you've tried to take just a little extra credit and you didn't give it to God? God says, that's lightweight living. Lightweight living. Now, look at this screen here and look at these five questions. All lessons from the life of Belshazzar. If Satan were going to trip you up, if you were going to fall, and it had to come from one of these five areas, which one would cause you the most trouble? Pick one of them. Here's my question. Does that really bother you? Because my concern is that I'm not bothered enough. See, we ought to be bothered by this so much that it breaks us, so much that we experience sorrow in our hearts to think that we're like this when we could be like this. And we are sorrow to the point of repentance so that we actually change our lives. I'm telling you, if you don't pay attention to that one thing that you picked out, that could very well be your downfall and your loss of leadership influence in your life. I mean, maybe you picked up on it already. But did you notice that those words, (laughs) sensual, Corrupt, adulterous, lax and ego, spell, scale, right? Because you're weighed all the time on the scales of God. And sadly, some of us, this is all we've got to offer. It's lightweight living. When God says there's another way, there's a way for you to experience some heavyweight living. Now, I know in your bathroom and in your bedroom, when you get on the scale, you want it to be lighter than it is probably, right? But you've got to flip that with God. You want to be a heavyweight before God. You want to weigh more. You want to be weighty. You want to be a person with influence. What's it like when God weighs you? See, it's important for us to step back sometimes and say, you know, I think I might be a little bit more like Belshazzar than like Daniel. We have a team of people that are coming back from Ghana, West Africa. One of the leaders, Kyle Gustafson, uh, was able at the very beginning of that trip to confront his own dark side. Let me read to you what he wrote about himself. As we gathered at CVC before we left, I prayed that God would go before us. The heart of the prayer comes from Deuteronomy 31. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. During our travels, we had passengers from our team end up on standby. Not once, but twice. Delta may not call standby when they don't have a seat and they have to move things around. It sure sounds a lot like standby. 
So here we are in the New York airport less than 60 minutes before our scheduled departure to Ghana and three people don't have an assigned seat. He says, for those of you who don't know me, I have a tendency to be, how should I say it, a little aggressive when I get upset. And at that moment, I was pretty upset at Delta. I'm sure the team will have a nice laugh about how I handled the situation. But the end of the, at the end of the day, we got everybody on board and even a couple of first-class first upgrades out of it. All's well that ends well. But do you see the problem? Here's what he says. Ten hours earlier, I was praying that God would go before us and prepare the way. Yet when the going got rocky, I chose to get angry. Did I believe that God was going to work everything out for the good of those who love him? Or did I need to take control to make sure everything worked out okay? And he says, looking back, I didn't at any point in the stress of the day authentically pray. Now, that sounds like a bad mission trip leader, doesn't it? How could you send a guy like that to Ghana? Is he a better leader or a worse leader because he saw that in himself? He's an honest one, yeah. He's a better leader because he had the spiritual guts. He had courageous faith and was able to look at the dark side and able to repent of it and change. Can I look at my wood hand stubble, my Belshazzar-like heart, and repent? With a sorrow, as it tells us in 2 Corinthians, that leads to repentance. Can we be broken? That, that, that when we look at our lives, we're sensual and corrupt and adulterous and lax and ego-driven. Because, you know, if you can't see that and say that about yourself, then you know you, where you will never go. You will never go to the cross. You won't go to Jesus. Because Jesus, think about it, was not sensual, but spiritual. He was not corrupt, but he was courageous. Courageous enough to take your sins and my sins on himself onto the cross. He was not adulterous when it came to his relationship with God. He was an adorer of God. He was not lax. He was a laborer for the kingdom. He was not ego-driven. He was ego-less because he says, God, it's not about me. It's about you. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That's Jesus. So, so Daniel chapter 5, if we look at ourselves in, and, and recognize the spirit of Belshazzar, we got to say, this is supposed to drive me to Christ because he's my only hope. He's the one who died on the cross for all of my lightweight living. And he's the one who can give to me his heavyweight living. And I can begin to live my life like Jesus if I come to him. So will you come to Christ today? You know what? We need many, many conversions. Now, I do believe there's a point in time when people put their faith and trust in Christ and they're eternally, they're eternally changed. Their address is changed immediately on the spot. But everybody who knows Christ needs many, many conversions. And you spell that this way. M-A-N-Y, M-I-N-I. We need many, many conversions. So there's not a person in this room today who doesn't need another conversion. 
Because we're people that need to be born again and again and again and again and again. Every time you sense, whoa, there's Belshazzar again. There's the junk in this pocket again. Every time that happens, you run right back to the cross. You know, we put a prayer together today. It's going to be on the screen here. A prayer for you to pray. Yes, Lord, I'm too much like Belshazzar. When I'm weighing your scales, I'm found wanting, I've sinned, but I do see how much Jesus loves me. I do see he died on the cross to pay for my sins. He rose again. So transform the Belshazzar-like heart within me and help me love Jesus so much. I'm not enslaved by idols. Help me treasure him so that in Christ I'm weighed and found worthy. Not weighed and found wanting, but weighed and found worthy. All because of Christ. Bottom line is not about me. It's not about you. It's really about what Jesus can do in, through, with, and for us. So this points us to Christ. Now, now you look at that prayer and you go, well, I don't need to say the sinner's prayer. I said that before. I don't need prayer of salvation. I've said that before. It's like, no, dudes and dudettes. <laughs> that prayer is a prayer any follower of Christ can pray. Every day. And for some of you, you pray that today, it might be your first time. And that might be the change of your eternal address today. So, so I don't want to see any of us weighed and found wanting. I don't want to see any of us lose the leadership influence we have. In fact, what I want to see is us get more leadership influence and, and, and we can live heavier lives. We can be more weighty, but it's going to have to be by connecting to Jesus. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to just go through this prayer phrase by phrase and you pray it with me. Here we go. Yes, Lord, I'm too much like Belshazzar. When I'm weighed in your scales, I'm found wanting. I have sinned. But I do see how much Jesus loves me. I do see he died on the cross to pay for my sins. He rose again. Transform the Belshazzar-like heart within me. Help me love Jesus so much that I'm not enslaved by any idols. Help me treasure Him so that in Christ I am weighed and found worthy. Save me today. Lord, I do pray for me that when I stand up in front of people like this, it would not be a show. That it would not be hitting all the right marks, but somehow hypocritical and insincere. Lord, change the Belshazzar-like heart in me and do it for all of us, Lord, here so that we might live lives that are weighty, and worthy of the one who died and rose again for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you're going, you know what? This is my giving my life to Christ for the first time. Then in the program, there's a place you can check. 
giving my life to Christ today. Check that. Put in a basket. And we would love to help you grow in your relationship to Christ.